watched that video uh, thinking about doing the service. It was just so cool to know that people are changing the world, you know. Um, very few of us um, does God ever call or lead to actually uh, make an impact where we change the whole world. Um, but it was so cool just to stop and think about you. <laughs> and that you guys sitting right inside this room right here. Many of you are just listening to God. And because of that, stuff is happening and God is touching the world. He's touching our world, and he's doing it because you're stepping up. So, in light of that, we thought about uh, another couple. This is Lene Feeling. Would you welcome Lene this morning? Yeah. Um, at this moment right now, her husband Dave is over in the other warehouse sharing the same story. Uh, this is really fun for Susie and I. Uh, Dave and Lene were in our small group, our Life Together group, back in Detroit, uh, which was really cool. That's how we met them. And uh, when we shared the vision that we were heading out to Utah, immediately a seed got planted in their heart. But how long did it take for you guys to get out here? Three years. <laughs> but they made it, you know. And, uh, but seriously, it was cool because the, the seed was in there. And I wish someday we should tell that story too. But it was just a great journey that God had Dave and Lene on of taking steps of faith to eventually, you know, leave everything and move out here to help with K2. But there's something else uh, that they've been doing, another really, really cool idea that God has given them, and I, I'd like her to share it with you. So why don't you first just start off with how you got the idea? Um, I'm still to totally touched by the video, so yeah, okay. me too. Um, so just over a year ago, uh, my husband and I were helping out at the high school youth group, and our friend Josh Gutzweiler was in as a guest speaker. He's right there. Um, and he was sharing about major humanitarian issues in the world. And um, one of the things he shared about was clean water and uh, how there's a lack of clean drinking water in the world. And one of the statistics that he shared that just broke David's in my heart was the statistic about how many children die every year as a result of lack of clean drinking water from diseases like uh, diarrhea, typhoid, cholera, you name it. Um, the statistic is that 1.6 million children die every year. That's one child every 21 seconds. Um, we were just hit, and that was kind of the start of it. Another thing that Josh did really well at night is he just talked about how, as individuals, it's really hard to make a difference, especially with a problem with a scope that, that's, that is that large. Um, but how, if we come together, kind of like that group of people, come together, we can, we can make a huge change. Hmm. Yeah. So then you guys started as a, in the youth ministry, just started coming up with different ideas of how we could raise money and how we could do all that. And then um, Dave came up with this wacky idea. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> that just kind of got his wheels turning. And um, he came up with this idea that if everyone gave like an individual person started giving $5, gave $5 for the cause of clean water, and then invited three friends to give $5 for the cause of clean water, who would then invite three friends to do that, um, that it could just result in a huge movement. And when he did the math, I mean, he had that idea, and he's like, hmm, I wonder how big would it get? Um, he, he realized that 15 kind of like waves of friends inviting fr friends could involve or unite a community of 20 million people, just 15 waves of that happening, um, which would give water to millions more. Yeah. So, Which ends up being $100 million, right? Yeah. $100 million. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so, <coughs> now, any, any, how many of you guys have ever had an idea like that pop in your head? 
Okay. Very, very inspiring group. Um, no, I mean, but you know, you, I know you didn't raise your hands, but you hear stuff like that and you get ideas and they, they kind of get in your head, but this idea wouldn't leave you guys. Tell, tell us a little bit about what happened with the journey. Yeah, um, well, actually, when David told me that first, I was like, hmm, good idea, you know, <laughs> pie in the sky. <laughs> Great idea, though. Yeah, because nobody, we don't touch the world, right? Right, right, yeah. and that vision was just huge. So, um, but uh, actually, later that night, I was laying in bed trying to go to sleep, and my mind kind of clicked on. I was thinking about it, and God just started moving in my heart. I couldn't sleep all night. Um, I laid in bed, like, my mind just racing for hours, and I finally got up, I went downstairs, started, you know, researching on the computer, is anyone doing this? Uh, looking in my Bible, what does God say about water? What does God say about anything <laughs> related <laughs> to vision or anything? Does and, he say anything? Does he say anything <laughs> about this? Um, and K2 was reading Proverbs for that month, and um, it was November 16th when this happened. So I opened up to Proverbs 16, and this is what I read. Um, this is the first verse of that. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So he will determine whether we can actually do it. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And combined with all the prayer and just being excited and, and everything, that night I committed this to God and was like, okay, well, if you want us to do this, we have no idea how, but let's go on the journey. Cool. And what's neat is really that same night, with your affirmation, Dave was coming to that place too. And then, so you started pulling things together and took steps by step, but eventually there was no turning back. And what, what made it were like, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to spend our life on this idea of three for five. Well, it's amazing over the next four months, um, coincidences, they weren't coincidences, Timing, resources, people, uh, everything just kind of started falling in place. Like one of the big things even that happened for us was Christian Kokerscheidt, who's now part of K2, came in and did his message where he's introduced to us. And he talked about the touch of God and how it challenges us to um, expect the unexpected from God, which is what was happening to us. We <laughs> had no idea about water even before that. Um, and then also um, challenges us to uh, take leaps of pure faith. And we came away from that service and drove home and we're like, okay, we gotta do it. And then over those four months, things fell into place all the way up to the point where we had incorporated it as a nonprofit organization and we were just waiting for a tax exempt status and kind of everything hinged on that. And amazingly, this is, we feel like this is such a miracle. It normally takes um, 12 to 18 months to get the IRS to give you public charity status, which lets you accept donations and people can get tax write-offs. And it took us three weeks. <laughs> so when that happened, um, and we had everyone, you know, volunteering and services donated, resources and everything, we were like, okay, well, we can't not try this. We have to go. I mean, we wanted to do it, but there's, we can't have been given this idea and not do anything with it. Yeah. So, yeah. In fact, I, I wrote this down. I forgot. <laughs> we were sitting there talking earlier this week. Um, I'm hoping I can find this. Sorry about this. But Dave said something. Do you remember the exact phrase that he used? Because you just, you just kind of touched on it. But I paraphrased it. Yeah, that's you okay. You to hear him. Yeah, it was, I mean, he said it, and I, just, I made him shut up right then and just said, say that again, because he, uh, I, I'll, I'll get to it in the message. Oh, yeah. 
Thank you. My wife, what a memory. I tell her once and she remembers, you know. Anyway, the, 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 the question was, how can I be in a position to try and not try? And, and That was moving to me too, but what's more, like, <clears throat> one of the things that hit Dave uh, was that night, he, he took Jackson home. How old was Jackson at that time? He was just one. He was one years old, and he laid him in his bed, and all he could think of was 21 seconds, Jackson could die because he couldn't turn on clean water. That, I mean, it's just, and, and so for, for Dave and Lene to get this feeling like, how could we in a, be in a position to actually stop that from happening and then not give it a try? I just, I love that. I just think that's so cool. And so now you guys are doing it, man. You, you've abandoned everything and you're going for it. You're going to make this thing happen. Is that not amazing? I think that is so very, very cool. Um, and uh, so they're still in process. There will be another day here at K2 once everything is totally in gear where we will really let you all know about how you can help make this thing happen. I mean, five bucks. Woo, what a sacrifice, you know. Five bucks, and then finding three other people to give five bucks. If we do that 15 times, that's 100 million people, or 100 million dollars. That's unbelievable. Way to go. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thanks for being up here. <clears throat> oh, man, you guys. I, I tell you, it's a great story. And, and again, you know, I said, you guys are awesome, way to go. I, I, you could tell she probably wanted to say something. No, it's not me. Because it isn't. I mean, that's the point. Um, God is always doing stuff. He, he really is. And, and, and as we look at that, what we need to understand is Jesus said that when he was here. He goes, my father is always at his work. Always. And then Jesus says, so I too am working. <laughs> I'm just doing that. And so as the body of Christ... God isn't done. It's 2009. There's tons of things he wants to do, and he still has initiatives. I did a series on this a few years ago, and we just said, when God's working, what is he working at? <clears throat> One, he's working for you. I mean, he is, he is passionate about, about you, and he wants to reach you. And so just again, if you're visiting today or if you're on a spiritual journey, one of the coolest things is to know is that God's working for you. He, he wants to be in relationship with you. And then once you're in relationship with you, once you're in relationship with yourself, with him, uh, then he says, now I'm working in you. And I'm, and I'm transforming you and I'm making you like myself. And then I'm going to work through you. <laughs> and we're going to touch the world. And I'm going to do it through you. And what was interesting when I thought about that this week, I thought, but when you, when you become a leader, everything changes with those words. It's still true that he works for, for you and in you and through you. But all of a sudden it changes and you, and you start to think, you know what? God's working for others, and he's working in others, and he's working through others. It's because leadership is this deal where all of a sudden, it's not about you anymore, but there's something that calls you into something that's about everybody else. And that's what God is like, and that's what he does when he invests his life in us. You don't think about yourself anymore. Now you think about other people all around you. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, says this. God has given each of us, every single one of us, who are followers of Jesus Christ, he goes, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And then he goes on this list. So if God has given you the ability to serve, he talks about, or to care, or to give, and he goes all through these things. And then in verse 8, he says, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. 
I looked up all these different versions. It says, if God has given you the gift of leadership, if you can lead, if you have that ability, then it, the real word in like the Greek is to do it diligently, which means what? It means to give it all you've got. <laughs> if God has called you to lead in anything, then do it earnestly, which means intensely serious, <laughs> very sincere in manner and attitude. Do it with zeal. And this great verse that we're going to talk about today, in Judges 5.2, it says this, when the leaders in Israel take the lead, and when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When the leaders take the lead, somebody's going to take the lead. Who's going to do it? Well, when the leaders take the lead, and the people willingly volunteer, Praise the Lord. That's what, you know, this is, the, and I'll explain to you why they are celebrating this. But you know why they're celebrating this? It's because God's stuff gets done when leaders take the lead and when people willingly follow. And God's stuff is good and it's right and it's just. And it's, he wants to do it all over the world. He wants to do it in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, your workplace. And so today, some of you are leading right now. Maybe you're leading in, at your workplace, or maybe you're leading in, in your school, or leading, I don't know, a basketball team. Or I don't know. You could be leading lots of different things, but some of you are doing that. Some of you are leading right here at K2. You've stepped up and you've took the lead. Some of you know that you have leadership ability, but you aren't using it. And then there's lots of reasons. It can, be, it's, it's, it can be very scary to lead, and it's very lonely to lead. And so some of you know you've, you've got this ability but you have not yet jumped out and taken the risk to do it yet. Some of you are sitting here today, and I know that some of you are wondering if you should lead. You don't know for sure. Do I have the ability? Uh, Does God really want me to do that? Am I supposed to be the one that steps out? Could I be one of the one who could help change my little world? And and I, I hope as you sit here today that maybe you'll hear God speak to you. Some of you, um, and, and here's the last thing, is all of us, though, are following somebody's lead. All of us, right? When the leaders take the lead and when the people willingly volunteer, all of us are leading. In fact, Dave and Lydia, we didn't get to that part, but they said the only way three for five is working is because of the people who have volunteered to help make it happen. I want to pray right now, and I want you to pray. I want you to pray if you're a leader. I'm going to pray for you. Because if you're a leader and you're taking the lead, then I'm hoping God will encourage you today about that leadership. Secondly, if you have leadership ability and you're not leading, oh, I've been praying for you all week. And I'm praying that God will speak to you and reveal to you who he's made you to be. If, if you're sitting there today and you don't know if you have it or not, then I'm praying that God will reveal it to you. You guys, we are not just doing church today, right? We're not. This is a day to engage with God, and I know that he's not done doing stuff, and he wants to call people to take the lead, and it could be you. Oh, you might walk out of here freaked out. I love it. Let's pray. Father, you are the leader. You are the Lord. You are the creator. You're the one who calls all the shots. But you also have this gift of leadership. You, if it's leadership, take it seriously. God, there's, there's some of us in here that you've called the lead to take it. 
And Lord, I pray for those who are leading, for encouragement. I pray for those who have the ability but have not yet stepped out that you would give them the courage and the vision to do so. And I pray for those who don't know if they're supposed to be leading or not, that you would clarify that for them today. And I pray for all of us who follow, because we all do, that we would do it recklessly, earnestly, and diligently, and support those that we, lead, that we follow. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I am going to walk us through a passage in the Old Testament and in the book of Judges. And it's Judges chapter 4. And I'm just going to jump right in, starting with verse 1. This is, uh, well, let me give you just a little background. This is, if you, if you know anything about the scriptures and the, and the history, uh, the Jewish people um, are in a really, really awful stage here in the book of Judges. They're starting to fade <laughs> in following God, and they're struggling to do that. And so there's this vicious cycle that keeps going on in the book of Judges, where God comes in, he rescues them, they have peace, and they're all like, woohoo, that's great, and he rises up somebody to take the lead, and everything's good. That person dies people don't care about God anymore, <laughs> and they start to worship other idols, and they fall away from him. He lets other countries take over them. They suffer. They cry out to God. He rises up a leader. You know, you get the picture? It just keeps going on and on for hundreds of years. Here we are in verse chapter 4. It says, after Ehud, who was one of the judges who led for Israel, after he died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Hagoyim. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Um, one of the things that you can know about leadership is that leadership always follows a need. There's a need out there. <laughs> There's children dying every, one, every 21 seconds. There's a need out there. There's needs everywhere. There's so many needs at K2. I know a lot of people think we got it all together. We so don't have it all together. There's so many needs here. There's needs in our community. That's why we do our compassion stuff. Every, in your workplace, there's just need. And whenever there's a need, then all of a sudden God says, you know what? I'm going to meet that need. I'm going to do that. He's always at his work, and it's the same today. There are needs, and I, I, maybe even right now you can just stop and think. Do you, are you aware of any? Are you aware of any needs that you know of that are not yet being met? Just think about those as we go through the rest of today. All right, so there's this horrible situation going on in Israel. The people finally cry out to God. I'm going to jump over to chapter 5 real quick, which is a song that relates to chapter 4. But in chapter 5, starting with verse 6, says this. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the roads were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. Village life in Israel ceased. So in other words, this was not a good time to be living in Israel. People wouldn't even walk the paths because of, of the danger that could happen. Village life completely ceased. And then, don't you love this? It ceased until I, Deborah, arose. Arose a mother in Israel. Was that you, Susie? Yeah, yeah. You're a mom. Isn't that cool? I mean, I, I, but I, I, I love that fact. In other words, Israel was tanking until Deborah arose. See, it takes one. <laughs> Somebody has to take the lead. Now, and so that's what's going on here. Deborah finally takes the lead. And then in verse uh, uh, 4, 
Now we're going to go back to chapter 4. Or in, in verse 4 it says this. Deborah, a prophetess. And a prophetess was what? That would be like a prophet, but a woman, prophetess. And what that means was she was someone who would receive words from God, receive direction from God, and then she would also give that out to the people. So Deborah was a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, and leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. Let's keep going. Verse 6. She sent for Barak. This Barak. Now, is that interesting? That just, we just happen to be talking about Barak on this, on this Sunday. I mean, that, I, I, seriously, I think that's pretty, pretty uncanny. And, and by the way, it was weird. You know, I'm, doing, I'm writing all this out. I write Barak. And all of a sudden, did you know it, it doesn't, it's not on spell check, right? <laughs> I, I think probably in about another year when you write Barak in there, it won't come up as something that they don't know anymore. So, uh, but anyway, back to the story. Verse 6, she sent for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali. And she said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go. Go. Take the lead. Take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. And I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and I will give him into your hands. Here's the first thing you guys need to think that you need to know. God calls people to lead. He calls, he chooses people to lead. Abraham, Moses, David, all the prophets, the disciples. And what I want to ask you today is, is he calling you to lead? I have no idea. But I think some of you he is. Is he calling you to lead? And how can you know? Um, now some of you might be sitting there and go, well, I can tell you right now, he ain't choosing me because, you know, and you have all these reasons why God would never choose you. You know, what's right, great about God is his track, his track record is he likes to choose people who don't think they're the ones who are supposed to be chosen. <laughs> He's all into that, right? He, he chooses Moses and Moses is like, dude, I can't even talk. You know, I mean, I'm the wrong guy. He chooses Gideon and Gideon says, Hey man, I'm the least of my clan. I'm the weakest. I'm a zero. You, you know who you're talking to here? He chooses 12 apostles who are fishermen and tax collectors and a bunch of nobodies to be his 12 people to change the world. So if you're sitting there today, and as soon as I'm talking about leadership, you're going, oh, great, this is for somebody else. You better, you better step, sit back up and listen. Because you never know if God is going to choose you and if he's going to call you. Now, here's, here's what I want to help us today. How can you know if he's calling you to lead? How can you know that? Sometimes it comes directly from God. And sometimes it comes through others. I'm going to give you four things if you're taking notes. Here's four ways that you can know if if God is calling you. The first one is this. First thing you need to check in is, is your life surrendered to God? Is it surrendered to him? Do you have a soft heart so that when he comes to you, it doesn't just bounce off, but you actually, in your own personal adventure with him, are developing an ability to hear his voice. You have open ears, as Jesus said all the time, right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So are you even wanting to listen to God? And is your heart actually soft so that when he speaks, now you'll go? Now, you know, it's, again, what's so great about the Bible is sometimes God comes to people and he says, hey, you're my man, you're my woman, and they go, oh. And so if you don't have a soft heart towards God right now, um, get ready, because he'll soften it. 
And that will be a ride. <laughs> when God wants to use you and you don't want to be used, he doesn't give up once. You know, you just can't, can't come back to say God and say, oh, you know, I don't feel like doing it. Oh, okay, great. All right. Okay, I'll go find somebody else. No, God's a little stronger than that. And he knows the plans that he has for you. But for us, the best thing we can do is get our heart to a place where it's soft, where it's pliable, and where we're sitting before God and knowing how to listen to him so that when he speaks to us, our heart will move with him. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Do you see a need that needs to be met? I saw a lot of your heads go up like now like this when I said, are, you, are any of you aware of a need? And a lot of you went, oh, you know, I just saw a little, yeah, I know some needs. So here's a couple tests. Does that need fall in line with the heart of God? Does it fall in line with the heart of God to save babies who are dying because they don't have clean water? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's a no-brainer. There are so many things that God has a heart for and a passion for. The need that you see, does it fall in line with the heart of God? Here's a second question. Is, will it not leave you alone? I, we didn't, David and Lene, one of the things they told me when we were talking, they said, man, we didn't pursue this. This hunted us down. You ever had that feeling? You ever had this, this idea that came to you and then it just wouldn't leave you alone? Like K2, the church? This idea that God, it just impresses on you and it won't leave you alone. It took Dave and Lene three years to get out here, but they got out here because God wouldn't leave them alone. It only took them four months to get to three for five. They're doing better. This is awesome. <laughs> Do you, and then, so secondly, will it not leave you alone? Is it weighing heavy in your heart? I think that's one of the ways, one of the tests you can tell if this is of God or not. The third thing is, do you have the ability to do something about it? That's where I love Dave's phrase, right there. Maybe, you know, I I just, I think that, that God has something for us. How could I be in the position to try and not try? You know what, you guys, one possibility is, that maybe you're aware of a need that's out there because God made you aware of it. Maybe your eyes have been opened to it because you're the one that he actually wants to do something about it. You know, I'll, I'll be totally honest, as one who's in leadership, there will always be tons of people who see lots of needs <laughs> and they like to tell us about them, you know? We need this, we need this. And I, I, I've, I've been at leadership conferences where they say, well, what you need to do then is say, well, maybe you're aware of that need because you're the guy. <laughs> you're the gal. Maybe that's why you're aware of it. And so one of the things you might need to check with you is, man, is the reason this thing isn't leaving me alone because God actually wants me to step up and to do something about it. It's amazing. Do you sense that God might be leading you? Now, If that sits with you and you start to get passionate about it and it starts to drive you and you want to step out and do something about it, one of the keys to this whole thing is humility. Because once you realize, man, when when you know that God has chosen you to do something, there is no room for pride at all. It is really, really humbling when you know this wasn't your idea, but it was God's ideas. And so sometimes... Because there's, there's a lot of people who want to lead too, right? The, who want to lead and sometimes it's about position or it's about recognition or it's about having power. It's about having a personal agenda and you want to kind of lord it. You got, you know, and next thing you know, you want to do this because nobody else is doing it. And you start getting frustrated with people and you, and you start judging people. And man, if, if that's your attitude, that, that's not the attitude of God, right? We all know that. So when God comes in and he gives you something to lead, it should be out of humility and it should be out of love. 
It should be totally out of a desire to love God, but to love people. So again, is, 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 if, are you seeing a need? Is God laying something on you? Or is it rising up within you? If it is, then fall on your knees before God and humbly receive it and then flesh it out with love and see what he does. Not with lording it over, not with anger, not with frustration, but as he always does with love. Okay, so there you go. The first one is, is your heart surrendered to God so that you can even know if he wants to talk to you. Secondly, are you aware of a need out there? Here's the third thing. Do people affirm your giftedness in this leadership deal? Gifts are given, in in the scriptures it tells us that gifts are given for the common good. In other words, if you, everyone, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a gift. And the reason God gave you that gift, that ability, was so that you could use it for, and everybody else would benefit from it. I always tell people, if you want to find out what your gift is, just start doing stuff. And when you do stuff that's in line with your gift, people will go, way to go. That was awesome. I benefited from that. I was blessed by that. And you can go, okay, good. I'll, I'll try that again. And I think it's true about leadership. Do people seem to affirm you? John Maxwell has this great quote. He says, he who thinks he leads but has no followers is only taking a walk. Isn't that, isn't that a great line? And, and so, so one of the things in leadership that you'll find is when you get involved in stuff, do all of a sudden people kind of defer to you? Do they want to see what your opinion is? Do, do, do they like that? Do they, do they say, hey, what do you, what do you, well, anyway, do, do people seem to affirm that? Now, some of you may not know um, because you've never actually taken the lead. And, and again, so as you're working and as you're volunteering and as you're going about your business, you may need to take a risk here to kind of find out if you do have that gift. Um, and then again, some of, the, some of you are sitting here and you know that. Can I, let me just talk about, let me just, because obviously there's leadership going on all over the world. Let me just tie this back down to God and his purposes in the world. There are some of you sitting here and you are high power leaders. You're gonna wake up tomorrow morning and you're gonna have all these people who respond to you. You know how to do this. You have influence. People respect you. They follow you. You have it. And my question is, have you ever considered that maybe God gave you that ability for himself and for his purposes to step out and to lead? And sometimes, you guys, it's a risk. But if people seem to be affirming that giftedness, then I want to encourage you to step out. That's the third thing. Here's the fourth thing. Are the people who lead you inviting you into leadership? Are, are, are people inviting you in? If you're volunteering right now here at K2 somewhere, you're involved, are the people who are leading you now inviting you to join them? Do you, you guys know that that's how the church started uh, ordination? You know, are you ordained as a pastor? When the church started right off the bat, you know how someone got ordained? The community around them said, this is the guy who has the gift. <laughs> they recognized it in him and they sent him off to where all the authority was to be ordained. I mean, people, this happens all the time, you guys. The scripture is very clear. This is, this is something, I'll just be honest with you, this is something I feel like I'm really learning and, uh, and, and trying to figure out what this means for us at K2. The scriptures clearly have the appointing of leaders, the choosing of leaders. You know, Jesus didn't go, hey, anybody want to volunteer to be my disciples? You know, anybody up for that? <laughs> no, what did he do? 
He prayed all night long and received from the Father direction and wisdom, and then he went and he asked 12 people. Did you know later on it says he appointed the 72 to go out? See, because after he had the 12 and his ministry expanded, then there were 72 people, and it says that he appointed them. John 15, 16, Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you to go and bear fruit. Acts 14, 23, the church is beginning to, to, to get established. And Paul, Paul, and Bar, Paul and Barnabas, excuse me, in Acts 14, 23, it says that they appointed elders. Once they planted their churches, they appointed elders. They didn't say, hey, whoever wants to do this. No, they appointed them. Titus 1, 5, Paul, again, has established churches, and he tells Titus to appoint the elders. And so this is one of those deals where I want to say, if you're in leadership right now, we have, to, we have a culture here of, of freedom, and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose our culture of freedom. But if you're leading here, one of the things I think we need to start thinking about is I don't know if we're always supposed to just go, hey, we have all these needs, and if you need us, come help us. <laughs> you know, because it just doesn't sound like Jesus. And instead, I think we need to start praying and saying, who is God laying in our hearts that we can go ask? Because I think the scriptures show that God appoints people to lead. So y'all better watch out. If you, if you don't want to lead after this service, you better run out of here before I catch you. Um, but anyway, I just think it's something we need to think about. And, and so then, you guys, I just went through my own personal example of being called. And I, and I was one of those, I just, oh, I've always led since kindergarten. You know, I'm out on the playground. And what are we going to do today, Dave? I mean, that was just, so it was just, that's just kind of been the way God made me. So I'm naturally, naturally made that way. But then when I gave my life to God, the thing that was amazing to me is I didn't jump right into leadership, but I jumped in. I was one of those willing volunteers, couldn't wait to serve God. And as I jumped in and, and, and got involved, then all of a sudden people started to affirm and started to follow. Next thing you know, it's like, wow, I think God's given me this ability to do those things. And then I would have these ideas. My eyes would be open and I'd see needs that needed to be taken care of and nobody else was gonna do it. And so you're sitting there and you go, okay, I've led my whole life. I think people are following me. This stuff needs to get done. And so who's going to take the lead? And so I did. I just, I started taking the lead. And there were then, there was, uh, there's so many times where God, where I, again, I had these things that just wouldn't leave me alone and they were sensed you're supposed to do it. And finally, you just got to take the risk and you got to step out there. Because opportunities, again, are always there. And who's going to take them? That's our question for today. And then what happened was other people saw that in me. My brother-in-law, I, was, I majored in education. Again, I wanted to teach high school and coach football. That's what I wanted to do. But, but it was my brother-in-law, Bill, who's going to be here actually in a couple months, who told me, and he said, hey, Dave, you ever think about youth ministry? I'm like, no. He's like, um, you should. He goes, my, my dad pastored a church, and uh, the one I was at when I grew up, and they're looking for a youth pastor. They've never had one before. I'm like, oh, cool. A couple months later, Les Beecham, who oversaw our youth ministry department at, at, at Asbury College, calls me out of the blue and says, hey, Dave, just want to let you know there's a guy coming in. He wants to do some interviews on youth ministry, and I gave him your name. I'm like, okay. Apparently, you see, you know, he said, I see something in you. I think you should be considering this. By the way, it was so funny. The guy who came to do the interview was the pastor of my brother-in-law's church. That's when you know God's doing something. <laughs> but people saw things in me. I was 22 years old with no training, read two books on youth ministry. I walk into this church. This guy had been doing ministry for 20-some years. Be like me right now. And he said, you know what? I see something in you, Dave. I want you to speak. 22-year-old kid getting up there to speak on a, weekly, on a monthly basis to this church. I go to help start Kensington. 
They already have two teachers, right? I'm the, I'm the youth guy, and I can't wait. Great, this will be awesome. With the church is three weeks old, and Steve Andrews, the lead pastor, says, hey, I want you to speak. See, I never sought speaking. I never, I never wanted to do it. I never pursued it. But Rod and Steve saw something, and they appointed me in a sense. They challenged me to do it. Luther Ellis called me out of the blue. Do you ever consider church planning? My wife and I would love to see something happen. I'm telling you, you guys, if you sense something in you, if people are responding to you, and then others around you who are your leaders start appointing you and starting giving you opportunities, man, please take the lead. Because God has so much that he wants to accomplish, and he always accomplishes it through us. So there you go. Could God be calling you to lead? Is your life surrendered to him? Do you see a need? Are others affirming your vision and your gift? And are those you follow asking you to do it? All right? So there we go. Deborah said, Barack, God wants you to be the man. Now we're going to bust through the rest of the passage. I, that's the main thing I wanted to share with you. Sit with that. But now let's look and see what happens. Here's Barack's initial response. Judges 4.8. Barack said to her, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? That's the kind of guy you want to lead. <laughs> Deborah, will you hold my hand? And, and I was trying to imagine Barack Obama, you know? you know. Will you go with me? No, man, I was reading up on this dude. The guy's like, whether you like his stuff or not, he's in office. And he's cranking. And see, this was the problem in Israel, is the men weren't leading. They were wusses. They really were. Sorry, should I have said that? I did. So anyway, the problem was they would get a call from God and they wouldn't do it. You know, do you guys know what's interesting? Is the church historically has always been led by women. Way to go, women. Can I just say, way to go. Yeah. I, and it's not because men aren't supposed to, but when men don't walk with God, they get fearful and timid. And, and, and so we don't do it. So here's Barack. And that's his response. You're the man, Barack. Uh, will you go with me? Because if you don't go, I ain't going. I ain't going. Now, now that I said that kind of strongly, let me pull back here a little bit. Let's go to Judges 4.9. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way that you are going about this, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. And so we get to this, you guys, and it's interesting because here's, here's, I read a lot of commentaries on this. And part of the questions were, maybe Barak was saying, hey, you know what, Deborah, you're the prophetess. You're the one that God speaks to. Would you go with me? Because I'll, I'll go. But man, if, if, if God's speaking through you, if I need a word from God and you're the woman, then bring it on. I want you with me. See, so that could be a, a good reason for Barak to say that he wants her there. And so there, maybe, there, maybe that, was, that was the deal. Um, maybe her presence there would stimulate the valor of the troops. Um, but what was interesting is, is and, and so you read that and you go, okay, well, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea, but for some reason still, he didn't get the full blessing from God by not simply saying, okay, I'll go. You know, and, I, and I read that, because what did he say? He said, if you go with me, I'll go. But then when he said, but if you don't go with me, I will not go. See, so you know what Barak was doing? He was setting the conditions with God. 
It's like, oh, God, okay, you know, it's like, you know, I'm a big football fan, so right now, you know, all these guys are working on, you know, contracts and all that kind of stuff, and it's like there's a negotiation thing or something that we can do. Hey, God, that's great that you want me to do that, but uh, here's my terms, and if you'll meet my terms, then I'll go, but if you don't, then I'm not going. That's where God goes, all right, listen, I've chosen you, so you're going, but you're not going to get the full blessing, which is kind of a bummer, okay? But what's interesting is he is listed in Hebrews 11. You know what Hebrews 11 is? It's the kind of the hall of faith. It's the people who responded to God. And Barak is in there. The guy who said, well, not really. He's in there. Is that not encouraging? That's really encouraging to me because I'll be honest with you. Many of you know my story. When God first called me, I said the same thing to him. I said, I'm not going down that aisle unless one of my friends goes. And then Jim Poit walked down the aisle. I didn't like Jim, but he was my age. And that was good enough. You know? But see, we, if you start putting conditions on that, then, then God's going to be... But here's what's wild. In Hebrews 11.34, it's listing off Barak, Samson, Gideon. And then it, you know what it says about him? It says, those whose weakness was turned into strength. Their weakness was turned into strength. Do you feel like Barak a little bit? The idea of God asking you to do something, you're like, "Ah, if you do this, then maybe I'll do it. Can I ask you a question? Will you at least go on the journey of getting to the point where where you will say yes? Because Barak eventually did say yes. If you're fearful right now, if you're scared, if you don't have self-esteem, literally, you just don't think you're the right person, if you're too busy with all your other things that you don't have time for God to really do what he wants, whatever your issue might be, would you at least consider going on the journey of getting there to the point where you can say yes? And look at this. Let's continue the story. Verse 9. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you, but because of this, you're going to go about this. The honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand sister over to a woman. And then it says, so Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. It's awesome. Now let's go to verse 14. And it says, when Deborah said to Barak, this is the day, a few verses later, it's time. When Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? It says, so Barak went. And he went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. And you know what's so cool about this? Just to give you a little history. Do you guys remember at the very beginning, it said the reason the Canaanites were so powerful is the guy had hundreds of iron chariots. Now, can I ask you a question? Do iron chariots work well in the mountains? No, 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 no. Where do iron chariots work? In the valley. Where was Barak? Up on Mount Tabor. And then Deborah said, what? This is the day. Go down into the valley face the iron chariots and they said they would actually put like spearhead type things outside the wheels so they could just run and fast and if you were standing there whack it just take you right out i mean these things were so much more than just a guy with a shield and a sword right and what did it say when she said go what did he do he went with ten thousand men see somehow barack changed he went from the guy with a conditional response into somebody who had absolute certainty and confidence in god (laughs) that's awesome 
That is so encouraging to me to know that when I'm struggling with God and when I don't know if I want to do it and I'm begging him and I'm like Moses and I'm saying I'm not the right guy and I'm like Gideon, I'm too weak, that God will get me there and eventually by his grace I can say I'm going to go and I'm going to take the lead. And you guys, I just I want to encourage you so much to do that. How If you're there right now and you sense God is asking you to do something and you just won't do it, how do you get to that point? I think you've got to be honest with God. Just tell him you're scared. Tell him about all your questions, your distrust of him. Just tell him, I don't trust you. Give him your doubts. Tell him, be honest if you're just selfish. You know what, God, right now, I don't really want to live for you. To be honest with you, don't bug me with this anymore. You know, I got a plan. And, and so whatever it is, be honest with God. Because I'm telling you, once you get it out, he'll start to touch it. He will. And he can start to give you the strength to respond if he wants you to take the lead. And then the other thing I would do immediately, I would share it with somebody you trust to see if you could get some confirmation from some other people who love you and who love Jesus. And they might be able to help you along the way as you go. And then just ask for grace. You know what I pray all the time? God, just don't let me make a wrong decision because I can so do that. I know I have the weakness. I'm one of those weaknesses that, could you turn that into strength? Because to be honest with you, I don't really, I'm scared or there's so many times where that happens and I just go to him and I say, give me the grace to make sure that I make the decision that you want me to make. All right. Two last things that I'm just going to mention to you. What happened when he took the lead? 10,000 people went with him. See, here's the deal, you guys. Here's the third thing that needs to happen is all leaders need people who follow. You just, we just do, otherwise nothing happens. And all of us are followers. At some level, all of us are followers. Can I just encourage you, if you're on a team and you actually have someone that you're following, they have responded, they've had the courage, they've had the sacrifice to be the one who's actually taken the lead. If you're following a leader, would you just encourage them? Would you support them? Would you get underneath them? Would you love them? Did you know that they're held accountable to God? You don't need to hold them accountable to God. God's going to hold them accountable. It's actually in there, okay? I hate that verse. No, I don't hate that verse. But it's, it's, it's true about my life. I know that I'm held accountable to God. And so that verse says, so in Hebrews, it says, so get behind them. And I just want to say, man, if you're in Adventure Canyon or in the youth ministry or, in, or leading life together or out in Compassions or on Connections or in the arts, whatever you're doing, somebody has taken the lead. And I just want to encourage you, man, be one of those that says, let's go. <laughs> because then you know what happens? When the people take the lead and the people willingly volunteer, praise the Lord. Why? 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 Praise the Lord. Because then God's stuff gets done. <laughs> what else do you want to live for? I mean, seriously, right? Remember this? We're all going to get up to heaven one day. We didn't come with nothing, and we ain't going with nothing. And we're going to stand before him someday. And I just know, I, for me, I, I, wow, I, I mean, it's going to be pretty cool, I think, at least at this point in my life, for God to say, way to take the lead. And I'm telling you right now, some of you in this room have an adventure awaiting you like you've never dreamed. And he wants to do something. He wants to meet a need in this world. And he wants to do it through you. Will you take the lead?
Praise the Lord. Band, come forward. Let's pray. Father, okay, there you go. I know now, at least we've all just heard what it is to to take the lead and how we do it and why it's important to you. And I just pray now, Father, by your grace, that you just work in the hearts of every man and every woman in this building. And Lord, for everyone who's leading in here right now, again, I pray that you would just go, thank you, that you'd encourage them because it's hard, I know. And I pray you'd strengthen them and I pray you'd give them your grace. For every person, God, who has the ability and that you want to lead but yet struggling with it, would you spur them on even right now? Right now. It's a mystery, but I know your Holy Spirit speaks clearly. And if you want someone to take the lead, I pray you'd let them know right now. And Lord, for all of us who are followers, we all follow you, but we also follow people. We are the willing volunteers who make it happen. God, I pray for every volunteer in this room. I pray for everyone who hasn't volunteered yet. Would you again, even right now, in every heart of every man and of every woman, if there's anybody who's not in the game, that you just speak right now. Would you let them know you are not done? You know needs that need to be met and you want to meet them. But it's when the people take the lead and when the people willingly volunteer that your stuff gets done. Help us to know, God, we have been created to worship you, to join with you. It's amazing to me, and I just want to thank you, God, that whenever you want to do anything, all through Scripture and the history of the church, anytime you want to do anything, for some reason you choose people to partner with. What an honor and a privilege. God, help us not to miss that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Um, again, we're going to worship right now, which means worship is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. That is your spiritual act of worship. So why we are going to spend these next minutes with these few songs is to give you a chance to take what you've heard. And now, I'm, I'm telling you right now, can I, tell, can I tell you this? Please, don't just walk out of here if you have sensing that God is saying you take the lead. You willingly volunteer. You are my man. You are my woman. If that's you today, use these next 15 minutes to actually get your heart to a place where you give it to him. Walk out of here, not like Barack saying, I won't go unless you meet my conditions, but where Barack said, I'm going to head into the valley and I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And that's why we're doing this. We're going to take our offering right now. If you're visiting, if you're not part of K2, don't worry about this moment. But this is what this moment is for, is for us who worship him, to worship him with all of our being. And if this is your place to do that, then give gracefully and generously to the one who loves you. Let's worship him together.